everybody, what's going on? This is Zach Wild from Black Level Society, and we're all doing a hang with John on Iron City Rocks. What's up? This is Scott Stapp, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Don Dockin, and you're rocking on Iron City Rocks. want to wish everyone a happy new year and great holidays, and we hope to see you on tour soon. Hey, this is Chris Jericho of Fozzie, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 292 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. In episode 292, we've got a fantastic episode, we think, with vocalist Scott Stapp, who best known for the band Creed. Uh, Scott's going to be doing a, a tour of the East Coast and into the Midwest in the months of January and February going to be stopping in Pittsburgh in our fair city on January 27th to play Altar Bar. Scott has two solo albums, um, and he's obviously got his legacy with Creed. Uh, so in the interview, we talk about the solo material, which is very autobiographical. It talks about a lot of the demons that Scott has f- faced, many of which have become public. Also talks about uh, Creed and the future of Creed, so I want to listen to that. And we're also going to uh, introduce a new band, uh, kind of new to the United States, have had some success outside of the United States. The band is Monster Truck from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, our neighbors to the north. So we're going to talk to Jerry Waterman of that band in just a little bit. So without further ado, we're going to play a song from Scott Stapp's first solo release. This song is titled Reach Out, and we're going to get into that interview with Scott. gentlemen like to welcome to the show scott stapp how you doing scott doing good great um you're going to be doing a tour in the u.s uh coming up here in the month of january and uh, into february i'm going to be coming through pittsburgh uh, a lot of people looking forward to seeing you if i could take you back to the proof of life album 
um, listening to those al- the songs on that particular album, a lot of bi- autobiographical type tracks. Um, was that a conscious effort at that time, or you just kind of write what you feel when you got, were at that point? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, uh, some of it is is real stream of consciousness, uh, and then on the other hand, uh, you know, there's a definite attempt to kind of process my life, which in turn becomes autobiographical. Uh, I think it's it's uh, those two forms of creation is kind of you know how I've done it my entire mm-hmm. career. Do you? Um, is it hard? Or is it just come natural to you to kind of put those emotions and feelings and things like that that you have out there for the world to consume? You know, it's really it's really a natural thing. It's it's the only way that I know how to write. Um, and you know, uh, back in 1993 when we started this. You know, I had no idea uh, that my own prison would be the start of something uh, so life-changing mm-hmm. and that the whole world would hear the music. Uh, of course, that was a dream, but, you know, you, you still uh, can't really connect the dots on that. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's just been my process since day one uh, and continues to be to this day. You mentioned my own prison. Did you have, you know, you mentioned a dream also. Did you dream it that big when you dreamed it, you know, that Creed could become what it did? Um, I, I think at the time we were so naive mm-hmm. uh, and really had no idea uh, the realities of how difficult it was to make it in the music business and so we just assumed that if you had a song on the radio then you were going to be as big as mm-hmm. you know Def Leppard U2 uh, Metallica and you know any other huge uh, band that you can think of we thought that's just what happened mm-hmm. and so uh, you know we we definitely dreamed uh, that we were going to get on the radio so at that point in time, we thought that was just what happened, uh, and so yeah, we did dream that big. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of those bands in that period of time. You you could probably be considered bigger than, and that's, you know, it was such a phenomenon, and and to to watch it unfold, you know, I was always curious. Did did you find the pressures of being that large of an entity hard? You know, and you personally, you know, I don't think a lot of people can consume or conceive what it means to be that famous, that big, you know, have those many demands on you. Is it that difficult for you? You know, it it definitely became extremely difficult uh, once I fell into my first depression mm-hmm. in 1998. Uh, and once that happened... Uh, it was extremely difficult and would continue to get increasingly difficult uh, as I battled uh, this new illness uh, in my life. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people can, you know, you're you're almost the head of a corporation at that point, and I don't think a lot of people think about all the people whose paycheck relies on, you know, the band. And, that, you know, there's a lot to that. Um, was 
at the point when when Creek kind of dissolved, um, was it just not fun anymore? It it became the stress became too much. Would you say? No, you know, I was I was in the throes of a very dark dark uh, period in my life, uh, and just riddled with self medication. Mm-hmm. Between alcohol uh, and drugs, and I just needed a break, uh, and I went to to Maui. Uh, you know, a very sick person, mm-hmm. uh, extremely sick. Looking back, not even realizing how on death's doorstep I was, uh, and so in my mind at that point in time. Uh, I just wanted to take the year off and try to get myself cleaned up and figure out a way out of this mm-hmm. dark hole uh, that I had found myself in. Uh, and then, uh, you know, over the period of the next two years, uh, the guys just mm-hmm. got to waiting and feelings were hurt. And, uh, you know, there was a, a you know, Mental illness can cause a lot of misunderstanding, a tremendous amount of not only miscommunication, but non-communication. And I think non-communication is even worse than miscommunication yeah. uh, because there's, there's so many fill-in-the-blanks. Uh, and so with how uh, the relationships had gotten during that period, you know, the guys just decided that they were going to move on. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that uh, you know put me in an even worse uh, darkness uh, than I was before it all. Yeah, went did down. you follow what they did, you know, with uh, Alter Bridge uh, too much, or did you just kind of check out? No, you know, I didn't follow it. So you just tried to stay away. No, I checked out. Yeah, you know. I was in I was in a dark place and uh, I checked out from the world. Now, looking back, um, you know, in your fight with mental illness, um, I noticed a lot of the lyrical contents on the on the newest record, especially very spiritual, very more uplifting in a lot of respects than, than you know some of the earlier albums, especially the first Creed album. Uh, are there particular songs that you go back to to those days that you maybe don't enjoy singing as much as because of the lyrics that maybe bring back some wounds, things like that? Um, no, no, you know, uh, I, I enjoy playing, you know, all the songs. Uh, there's nothing in particular that, that is like, you know, picking at the scab right. of a wound. Um, you know, they're all just periods in my life and, and, uh, you know, I have the ability to, to tap into those moods, uh, no matter how, you know, far I distance mm-hmm. myself from the material. And, you know, I think that's part of my artistic mm-hmm. ability, as well as connected in some regards to my mental mm-hmm. illness. Uh, uh, you know, I think there's kind of a unique connection between 
you know, what I've known as being an artist and being creative, as well as being someone who's suffered from mental illness. I think they're interlinked. Now, the music industry in particular, uh, I mean, obviously, stories upon stories of drug addiction. Um, not so much many people can, you know, have the courage to come forward about mental illness. Um, do you find that the music industry is especially difficult dealing with the mental illness because of the travel and the time away and things like that? Or, or do you kind of still enjoy going out on the road? And um, I definitely still enjoy going out on the road, but I, I definitely have to plan mm-hmm. my life accordingly, uh, you know, and, uh, and I do that. You know, I've battled with uh, alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, which in turn is a mental illness sure. in itself. Uh, and and then I've also uh, also been battling with manic depression, um, also known as bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with those two things going on, you know, I, I run a sober tour. Uh, I play with guys that are like-minded and living sober lives. Um, I kind of created a bubble uh, around myself um, of protection, yeah. you know? Um, and and I just live my life differently, you know? And I'm, I'm no longer, you know, burning a candle on both ends. You know, I, I get my sleep, I eat healthy. It's all about the music mm-hmm. in the show. And not not about just the music and what goes on yeah. after the show. Uh, you know, it's it's about a healthy lifestyle, and and it's very family oriented for me now. Uh, at this point in my life, you know, my wife is is with me ninety percent of the time, and uh, our kids go back and forth uh, various times, uh, and so it's it's definitely a, a environment that's conducive for mm-hmm. a guy like me. Now. Um with the, the new t- with the new newest album the new tour um do you tour with essentially the same musicians you worked with on the album or what do you have as far as a band out on the road with you um i used some tremendous uh just hall of fame type session musicians uh on the proof mm-hmm. of life album and uh saw a different group of guys uh touring with me and played okay. on the record yeah, I noticed Phil in particular is probably a little busy uh, these days with <laughs> with uh, yeah. Bon Jovi. Yeah, Phil's busy. Josh Freeze is busy. Yeah. Now, um, when you write, um, you know, I, I notice you have co-writing on, on every song. Um, do you do you still noodle around? Like, do you um, when you write, do you write melodies? Do you write? Um, do you get involved in the guitar riffs when you write as a solo artist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get involved in everything. Uh, I mean, 99% of the lyrics are written solely okay. by me. Um, but in terms of the music, um, that's a collaboration mm-hmm. as well. Now, um, for example, Proof of Life. For, I can sure. give you an example. Proof of Life, for example. Uh, that was a little guitar progression that I sat down and showed mm-hmm. Phil X. Uh, and then he took it, uh, improved upon it, and it became proof of life. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an amazing record. I have to say, you know, going back and you know, listened to it when it came out and, and went back and listened to it more recently, there's a lot of phenomenal stuff on there for those who haven't checked it out yet. Um, as far as a live set, uh, I'm assuming you've got to play certain songs from the Creed catalog, but um, do you get to mix in a, a little bit of the solo stuff? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's about a 50-50 okay. mix. Um, so, you know, I'll play uh, nine or ten Creed songs and nine or ten solo songs. Do you get a lot of uh, people give, give or take after the show who kind of come up and say, whoa, what was that song, you know, from your solo catalog? Because unfortunately, the, somewhere along the lines of your career, unfortunately, the record industry died on you. Um, you know, so it's in. You know, you wouldn't have the sales volume you had in 1995 uh, in these days. Um, do you get a lot of people like that, or are they just kind of shocked at the solo stuff? Um, you know, I've found, especially in playing the smaller venues and doing clubs and, and small theaters, that most of the folks that are there uh, have listened okay. to my solo music, uh, have my solo records. Uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, I'll be speaking with someone or run into someone either before or after the show uh, that has never heard uh, my solo records and ask me about a song, and I tell them, and they get excited uh, and go to the merch booth and yeah, buy a CD. Nothing wrong with that. Now, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, any talk with the Creed camp about anything in the future, or is it just kind of on hiatus? I mean, we're we're definitely on hiatus mm -hmm. right now. Um, you know, I've got things that I'm working on. They have things mm -hmm. they're working on. Uh, but there's definitely been some conversation. Uh, I just got back with playing in a golf tournament in South Carolina uh, with Scott okay. Phillips and uh, you know we spent the we spent the weekend together uh, hanging out and and we definitely talked about the possibility of uh, another Creed record and uh, you know Mark Germani and I have traded text and uh, you know I brought up to him the possibility uh, of of another Creed record so it's definitely something that's been put yeah. out there we'll just have to uh, see when the time yeah. is right and, you know, the beauty of the, of the legacy that the band put together you guys are always going to be able to you know jump on stage and, and you know do nice arena size shows which you know you may be one of a dying breed of bands that can do those size of venues so it's it's a wonderful thing so Scott I want to thank you so much it's been a pleasure I wish you all the best uh, with the tour you're coming into Pittsburgh uh, end of January to hit the altar bar and we look forward to seeing you man Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, and I'll see you soon. San Francisco Fest 2016, The Tour. Neil Sean, Ross Valerie, Jonathan Kane, Steve Smith, Arnell Panetta, Journey, and the Doobie Brothers. First Niagara Pavilion, Saturday, July 16th, with special guest Dave Mason. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster locations online at LiveNation.com or charge by phone. For VIP packages and more, visit journeymusic.com and doobiebros.com. Hard to believe it in December. We're already talking about summer of 2016 shows. Check out Journey, Doobie Brothers, and uh, Dave Mason. Dave Mason, a guest on the show in the past. Also, Ross Valerie of Journey. 
So if you head over to ironcityrocks.com and check out the podcast link, you can go down and through all the old episodes. Check those out. Uh, Scott Stapp, I want to thank him for being on the show. He's going to be coming to Alter Bar on the 27th. You can go to his website, whole list of tour dates uh, all over the East Coast uh, and into the Midwest in 2016. So we wish him the best and hope for another new record from Creed in the in the future. To turn our attention now to a new band out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Kind of broke on the scene internationally in around uh, 2013. Been making some noise, playing some festivals and such. Um, coming to Rock on the Range uh, this May to play in Columbus. So we wanted to give you a chance to check out uh, the band Monster Truck. So we're going to turn our attention to an interview with Jeremy Weiderman of the band uh, and introduce you to Monster Truck. Welcome to the show from the band Monster Truck. We have Jeremy Weiderman on the phone. How are you doing, Jeremy? Well, pretty good, man. Good. Are you guys still over in Europe right now? I, I saw you earlier on Facebook. You guys were doing some touring out that way. Actually, it was just uh, it was just a little press run doing uh, a lot of interviews and, uh, okay. and media stuff. It was just me, actually. Uh, the other guys, the, our lead singer John's about to have a kid, and uh, everyone kind of exploded in different directions now that we've had this time off for a bit. So uh, I went and took it on by myself and did a little running around Europe, and uh, now we're back home. You're the glutton for punishment to do all the media stuff. That's, that's mighty noble of you. Um, you got, uh, yeah, well, it's, a, it's a free trip to Europe, so you know, don't 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 make me out to be too much of a saint. Well, you've got to talk to <laughs> schleps like me all day long, though. So that's it's got a pros and cons there. Um, you guys obviously have made some great strides in the in Canada, um, and you're doing some press. You mentioned in Europe, but um, as far as the United States, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of still new to the band. Uh, your first album, I had a chance to listen to it uh, just recently, uh, Furiosity, and really, really enjoyed it. You guys have got uh, almost like a throwback kind of classic sound, but it's still a very modern edge to it. It reminded me of bands like Blackstone Cherry and some bands like that. Do you want to talk about where your style came from? Well, you pretty much nailed it. You know, we were really just trying to take all of our, our favorite elements of classic rock, but also marry them with a lot of our influences from the 90s and, you know, all the great stuff that's happened since then. Because I think sometimes bands get too tied up in just having that throwback sound right. and not, you know, taking into consideration bands like Soundgarden and right. Rage Against the Machine and all those bands that have come since then that are, you know, also incredible. So, you know, it's just, it really is just the marrying of four members who all have input who all have different influences and all grew up on different classic rock and modern rock influences. Yeah, now, with your, roughly what age group do you fall into? Just kind of curious what you define as classic rock, because, you know, someone my age defines that as like Led Zeppelin and The Who, but where do you fall in as far as, what is your classic rock era? Pretty much the same thing, man. You know, anything that kind of comes from that 68 to like late 70s, mm -hmm. you know, uh, riff rock, um, psychedelic, whatever, you know, whatever your kind of your vein is, is mm. uh, that interests you, but um, you know we grew up on the Grand Funk Railroad and uh, mm. and uh, you know Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, all those bands that kind of like pioneered that sound that you know you kind of hear on our, our albums mm -hmm. and um, you know it was just something that was passed on from our from our fathers, especially me and John. We were we were kind of pushed into the uh, the classic rock world um, at a very young age, so you know. Even though we kind of deviated and went off into a punk and grunge and alternative, um, we always ended up kind of coming right back to the classic rock when we kind of got over the uh, kind of got over our teenage angst years. Now, growing up in Canada, um, I'm assuming classic rock radio was very similar to that in the U.S. Um, but was it a little more BTO and Rush, Triumph fans like that, or did you get a lot of the same kind of bands the U.S. got at that time? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's similar and it's dissimilar. You know, we uh, have a lot less people and there's a lot less uh, of, you know, there's really, it does just boil down to that. There's a lot less people and a lot bigger area dividing them, you know. So the rock stations around here tend to have to meld everything into one as opposed mm-hmm. to having separate stations for each. Right. I notice when I look through the rock charts in America, there's five different kinds of rock, which just blows my mind how yeah. that's even possible. Exactly. Um, but, you know, over here, it really just boils down to alternative rock and active rock. And, you know, the, the active rock stations tend to have to lean on, you know, classics and getting new bands like us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get you get um, the April Wine and the Guess Who and Bach Return Overdrive. Um, but at the same time, they're still, they're still leaning heavy on, on um, you know, Led Zeppelin and ACDC and, and you know, all those bands from uh, back in the day. And uh, it's kind of this weird, like, mashup of everything because of the nature of the of the beast being that you know there's just not a, enough room to, to you know separate it all up it's interesting when you say that i'm kind of jealous and you know and we're in i believe the 24th 25th biggest market in america not certainly a giant city by any stretch but we have a purely classic rock station a purely modern rock station uh, a couple oldies channels but no one plays a mixture of the entire spectrum you might hear a Led Zeppelin, maybe up to a Soundgarden, but you know, to to hear a band such as yourselves, you've either got to go to the alternative rock station or satellite radio, and then satellite radio is so compartmentalized, you know, with the way it works. You know, yeah, you know what? It's frustrating for us too, because like, as far as us trying to break out in America, we don't really know which angle to take because it's mm-hmm. so different in every city. And you know, getting uh, you know, we've had some radio play in New Jersey and New York, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know places like that but it doesn't necessarily translate to any success anywhere else and the rock formats you know the way they're designed in, in one city is not the same way they execute in another city so you right. know as far as we're, we're concerned it's just we we just kind of throw it out into the wind and see which which way it blows and, mm-hmm. and hope for the best because it, it's it's, impo- it's almost impossible to come up with a plan of attack when you've got all these major cities that are so separate from each other right. and so different as far as like you know what people want to listen to so you know we love getting you know we love getting attention from uh we love getting attention from Pittsburgh. Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a. We be, we have been there, and it's a great city. Um, you know, it, it's a rock and roll town, from what I can tell. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think most of the Midwest kind of share that. You know, from the, you know, the Detroit down to, you know, Pittsburgh, totally. kind of all share that same mentality. Well, uh, you know what? And it's a steel, it's a steel town too, and that's kind of um, what what Hamilton is. You know, we're we're down here in Hamilton, or up here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and it's a, you know another kind of city that uh, working class you know mm-hmm. steel town um that we you know we grew up in you know it's kind of shifted into a, a something a little different now that the steel trade's kind of moved overseas but yeah. you know i think we share a lot of similarities yeah but i know just listening listening to your album i think you know right from the you know the first track old train you know i hear this and i think but this would be a phenomenal new band to get in front of you know maybe an audience that does listen to you know, the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or, or you know, maybe yeah. some harder classic rock, yeah. you know, where it's it's still new, but it isn't, you know, you're not Rob Zombie either, you know, and that's... Exactly. That's, that's well, really you cool. know, it doesn't scare people off. And at the same time, it's funny because Rob Zombie fans tend to like our band as well. Absolutely. And it, and that's it allowed us uh, a lot of success in Canada, you know, whether or not it's... We have a lot of guys that are in the 40, 50 years old that are coming back out to shows again and kind of um, you know, crediting us with you know getting them off the couch because they haven't heard a, you know a classic rock inspired band that really did it the way that they used to listen to it when they were younger. And at the same time, we're we're kind of getting this younger fan base that you know um, 
privy to classic rock and also looking for something new. So mm-hmm. it's been a huge benefit to us, and it you know it's worked in Canada and it's been working in Europe for a couple of years. And we feel like kind of like the last thing we need to conquer is is, is get things rolling in America, and uh, of course you know the, uh, the the hard rock loving fans of South America. Yeah, yeah, but I think once you make it in South America, you're kind of set for life. You can you can go down there and just tour and make you know huge shows. But um, in the U.S., I saw you're playing Rock on the Range, obviously, which is is a great opportunity. I think you know to get in front of a, a very large audience there. But you have for 2016 some touring plans in the works, at least to get out on the road. Yeah, I mean it's all coming together right now. We had a bit of a situation where we were uh, releasing our record a lot later than we thought due to the amount of time it took to record it. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff is trickling in a little slower than we had planned, uh, but it's also looking really good at the same time. You know, we're starting to concentrate on the summer festival runs, and Rock on the Range is a big one for us because it's the second time there. And I think the first time we were playing Rock on the Range was just two years ago. We had this like you know twelve thirty in the afternoon slot on the small right. stage. And we were kind of like, we are in the middle of a tour with, uh, with Alter Bridge, which the shows with Alter Bridge that we were doing were just phenomenal and just, you know, providing a ton of exposure. And we were a little intimidated to go to Rock on the Range and do this, like, you know, first or second, um, you know, on the list slot, you know, in the first thing in the, in the day in, in a parking lot on a small stage. And we, we weren't expecting much. In fact, we, we basically had written it off as kind of a waste. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're getting up on stage and all of a sudden these, these, you know, crowds of people are coming over because they've heard, you know, from, you know, whoever from Slash or Alice and Chains that has been kind of preaching the gospel of Monster Truck. And we had one of the funnest shows that we had on that tour where we got 300 people, you know, excited about our new band, uh, crowding to the small stage at the, at the, at the venue and having a great time. So mm-hmm. to be going back there again, you know, super encouraging. We're obviously going to get a better set time and be on a better stage. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's all baby steps with us. We've never made a big leap. It's all about kind of building things slowly and, and, and creating those, uh, those fans for life. Yeah, and that, that's probably a wise way to go about it. You know, your instant success sometimes is very fleeting. Um, as a guitarist, you have played, you know, shared bills with Slash, you mentioned. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys played some shows with Deep Purple and Steve Morris. Um, you mentioned Alice in Chains. Is that intimidating to get up there with those kind of guys? You know that you were probably you know read about when you were a kid learning the guitar. Yeah, you know that's exactly what the feeling is in the beginning. You know uh, when we started out doing those kind of shows, maybe three or four years ago. I'll never forget you know getting on stage for the first time, opening for Slash, and, and, and coming to this really kind of blunt realization that there's only two guitar uh, lead guitar players on the tour, yeah. and one me and the other Slash. And, you know, thinking about it like that is a really bad idea right before you're going on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, honestly, I was. I was intimidated for the first three shows. I didn't play that well. And I got a little more nervous than I was, you know, than I've ever gotten. Uh, and, you know, I, and it was all, you know, for no good reason because, you know, Slash is one of the most down to earth guys that we've, you know, had the, had, had pleasure of touring with as far as, you know, legend status. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he was super supportive. And then, you know, once I relaxed a bit and realized that, you know, they're just, they're just regular guys that have reached this, you know, pretty high pinnacle of success. It's all, it's all fine. You know, there's mm-hmm. no need to, to get too wound up in it. And, you know, once you, once you relax a bit, you have more fun and you get used to it. And, you know, since then it's gotten a lot easier and we've had a lot more fun with it and the intimidation level is not really there anymore. Yeah. I could, I could see that in, in my mind when I was reading about this, I was thinking that could be kind of a, sort of a white knuckling experience to have to walk out, you know, totally. he might be in the wings or even just back in the dressing room and hearing you play. You he know, was that, too. I think that would, a, crippling people. 
with fear. Yeah, it was too. You know, we got off stage from the very first show that we ever played with him, and uh, you know, we got a knock at the dressing room door shortly after, and, and there he is standing in the doorway with the top hat on, and yeah. and, and you, you just you, you wonder if you're you've fallen asleep or something, like, and in, in, in you're making yeah. all this up in your mind because it doesn't. It literally and truly did not feel real in the moment, you know. And yeah. it was kind of fun to experience that as a band, you know, all four of us in the room there, all having the same feeling of like, holy shit, this is. Yeah. Is this happening right now? Yeah, that 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 geek out moment that, that I think everyone, totally. anyone who's ever been around rock and roll, kind of gets when you're, you know, and, and even in with what we do, you know, you get some of these people on the phone and it's still like, whoa, I just talked to so and so, you know. But to get yeah. up and play guitar, I think it would be worse because everyone knows how to talk. Not everyone can play the guitar, um, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's a, a really really cool feeling. Um, so the new album comes out. Um, if am I correct, February of, of the new year is the goal for the release of the new record. Yeah, it's going to hit on February nineteenth, and uh, I think we we for the first time ever we've managed to hit that kind of worldwide, where it's coming out in America, Canada, Europe, all the same day. Yeah, uh, and that's super exciting for us because it's you know it's, you gotta you gotta being able to put all your eggs in one basket. And it goes is pretty important. And, uh, we're we're really happy with the album, and we can't wait to get it in people's hands. From uh, from uh, sonically is is pretty similar to what we had on the first record, or do you got some different directions you've taken as a band? Both, you know. I think it was really important for us to to repeat a lot of the same vibe on the uh, that we had with Curiosity, mm-hmm. um, because it was so successful and people did seem to like it so much. Um, but at the same time, we also wanted to push it forward a bit, so people didn't think we were getting. Uh, you know, lazy and just kind of resting on what we'd already done before. So sure. uh, I feel like we've done both. And then in, in addition to that, I feel like we've improved on the on the recording quality itself, as far as just like getting that sound that you get when we play live, which I think people have always coveted above our recording. So mm-hmm. um, that's something that we want to try to you know always up the ante on. And I think we we achieved uh, at least our goal on this record. It's still and always have left room to you know to push it even further on the next one yeah yeah and that, that's certainly important you don't want to make the exact same record because then you know it gets a little stale but you don't want to go into a, a whole 2112 sort of direction that's going to throw everyone and go whoa where are these well know? yeah you, you know I think we've all been there as music fans where you mm-hmm. know you fall in love with the band's debut full length and then you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the follow-up mm-hmm. and then the follow-up comes and it doesn't sound anything like the first record and you almost get angry about it yeah. because you're like well how did you fuck you know how did you mess that up so bad you yeah. you you know what you were doing you had it figured out and 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 now you've gone this completely other direction like you're you kind of uh you, you do your fans an injustice that way and that was something yeah. we really didn't want to do I've often thought that with you too. There's a band that have changed their style and their format so many times that if you wait long enough, they'll come back to the style you like again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They did totally do that. Yeah. And the, that's the funny thing is uh, that's a it's kind of a more brave approach, and that's mm. something that uh, um, that's something that I was always impressed with with bands who could do that successfully. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know that's not what we're about. You know we're a working class rock and roll band. We're not yeah. looking to reinvent the wheel. It's just about having fun and putting on a rock, uh, a good rock and roll show. So right. um, you know that's, that's that's where we're gonna stay. All right. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you for joining us. The new album, Sitting Heavy, comes out in February. We hope we'll see you uh, in the in the area sometime in 2016. If not, Rock on the Range is only about a three hour drive for us. So I'm sure you'll see plenty of Pittsburgh uh, people in the audience. So thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. All right, that's going to about do it for this episode of the Iron City Rocks podcast. You can find more information on us at ironcityrocks.com. 
Facebook, Twitter, YouTube.com forward slash Iron City Rocks on all three of those. You can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from you all. So drop us an email. We've got some exciting things going on to wrap up the end of the year and into the early 2016s. Uh, excited to see several good hard rock and metal shows coming through uh, the East Coast in that period of time. So we hope to have some great guests on for you in the very near future. And uh, we want to thank Jeremy and also Scott Staff for being on the show today. Again, Monster Truck, their website's I Love Monster Truck. Uh, and also Scott Stapp, uh, you can check out his website as well, get all the tour dates. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing both of those bands hopefully in the Pittsburgh market very soon. And we look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, thank you and have a great holiday.